Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. In that moment, literally while I was driving there, I said to myself, I am not going to work for anybody else ever again. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Heard of crowdfunding and still curious about how you can benefit from it? Well, we've got a step-by-step guide put together just for you by the best ever team and patch of land, the industry's leading crowdfunding experts. The best crowdfunding crash course ever, episodes 152, 159, 166, and 173 will provide you all you need to know to get started and begin benefiting immediately. Whether it's getting access to funds for your project or passively investing in other people's deals. The time is now to get started with Patch of Land. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever to grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Matt Bowles. Hi, Matt. Hey, Joe. Welcome to the show. Matt's joining us internationally. He is in Spain. He travels. Actually, he's lived in 14 countries since 2013. Wow. That's <laughs> that's that's a lot of frequent flyer miles, and that's a lot of, more importantly, that's a lot of incredible experiences, I imagine, and hopefully you'll tell us a little bit about that. But from a real estate background, Matt is a partner at Maverick Investor Group, where he and his partners have helped investors, real estate investors, buy over $1 million in turnkey rental property. He's personally responsible for buying and selling um, over $4 million of real estate. With that being said, Matt, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about our, your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, absolutely. So I started off, we'll go back to 2004. I was actually working at a nonprofit organization. And my whole background, I mean, you know, has nothing to do with business or investing or anything like that. I have a degree in sociology and then I have a master's degree in international peace and conflict resolution. And I worked in the nonprofit industry doing human rights advocacy work and civil liberties advocacy work and that sort of stuff in Washington, D.C. for years. And, you know, good work, really long hours and really low pay, right? 
Uh, and so I was making about $40,000 a year. And somebody said to me back in 2004, Hey, you should buy a house. And I said, what are you talking about? How, how am I going to afford a house? I, you know, I, I make $40,000 a year. And they said, well, you know, lending and, you know, you don't need to put a lot of money down. And back then you, you certainly didn't. <laughs> uh, and so, and so, uh, and so they, they would pay you for exactly, that. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. So I ended up buying a house and I bought a four bedroom house and I rented three of the bedrooms out to friends of mine. I bought the house for $325,000. And in 10 months of me buying the house, it appreciated in value 40% higher than what I bought it for. And I was, that's $120,000, right? I got an appraisal for $440,000. And I was like, whoa, the light bulb went on. I said, you know, I'm working 60 hours a week to make $40,000 a year, I could have sat on my couch and played video games and made three times that much money than nothing, right? So so the light bulb goes on, right? That, wow, I really got to start studying this real estate investing stuff. So I bought all the books that I could buy about real estate investing. And what I did is I then cashed out and I refinanced and I took that money and I started buying real estate in other real estate markets. And I started studying um, the concept of different real estate markets and different property cycles and all that. So I started buying real estate in different states. And then what happened is my friends, you know, and coworkers and stuff started asking me, they're like, man, how are you buying that real estate? You're building this real estate portfolio. How are you doing that? Can I, can you show me how to do it? So I said, sure. You know, and so I would take my friends, you know, with me and they would also buy real estate. And so what I, what I learned in that process was that if you go in with me, say four or five or six people and you all want to buy, a piece of real estate, right? Let's say it's in, in back then it was, you know, new construction, right? And in a development, you're buying single family homes or something, right? You know, if you bought three or four or five, six people in, you say, Hey, if we all bought a property here, could we get a little bit of a better deal on that than just me alone buying one? And it turned out sure you could, right? So with that concept, a bunch of people and I just started, you know, each, you know, buying our own stuff, but we were all buying kind of together. And what that turned into is me saying, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm loving the real estate stuff. I'm loving helping other people out, teaching them how to do it. But I bet there's a business side of this that, you know, where, where I could turn this into a business, right. And help people do that, but also get paid. And so that's how Maverick Investor Group was born. And that's exactly what we do today. And we've been doing for the last eight years. Uh, so we started in 2007 officially. Uh, and we've been helping individual real estate investors ranging from first time buyers to very experienced real estate investors to buy turnkey performing residential investment property in what we feel are the most advantageous real estate markets in the country. And those markets change over time, right? So one of the value propositions that we put together to bring to the table is to help investors build diversified portfolios over time by buying and holding real estate in different markets at optimal points in those property cycles. All right, let's talk about that. How do you determine when a market is at its optimal point in the cycle? Yeah, so there's no way to determine when it's at its perfect point, right? So you definitely don't want to wait for that or try for that or only buy for that. But I'll give you some examples. So, you know, back in 2010, a lot of our clients were helping them buy in Phoenix, Arizona. Back then, you know, the market was, uh, you know, just coming off of the bottom, uh, just starting to recover. And people that bought there in 2010 did great. What happened after that is, you know, all the private equity funds and big money came in and started buying up all the houses, drove the market way back up. 
and the home prices just soared up. They appreciated way faster than the rents. Then there was a process of yield compression, right, where the cap rates went way down. Uh, and it is now, at this moment, I would suggest no longer advantageous to continue buying in the Phoenix market. So if you bought there in 2010, you did great, um, but not today, right? Today, we're looking at other markets that are at earlier points in their recovery cycle. So you're never going to time the market perfectly with exactly the bottom or exactly the top. But what we look for is markets that have positive economic indicators. So they have job growth, they have population growth, people moving into the market, right? There's upward pressure on, on, on rents and increasing rental demand. And uh, the market is at an earlier stage of the recovery cycle. So home prices are still low while rents are relatively high. So you're, you're getting optimal price to rent ratios, which is what cash flow investors want to look for. What resources do you use for the early stage of recovery cycle? Sure. I mean, you know, there's a lot of data that's published uh, on markets. You know, for example, the, the S&P Case-Shiller Index tracks certain markets. They don't track all the markets. Um, but if you, if you look at that just as an example, if you're looking at one of the markets that they track, you can look at historical home price trends. The Federal Housing Finance Agency also publishes uh, monthly and quarterly reports about the home price trends and what the different markets are doing. And then there's, and, and, and then there's a lot of private data companies that, you know, produce and sell, you know, more detailed uh, data than that. Um, but what you can do broadly is you can look at graphs and you can look at charts and you can look at, you know, where are the home prices? Where were they in 2007? You know, when did they peak? When did they trough? Right. I mean, some markets were hitting the bottom like Phoenix in 2009, 2010. Other markets didn't bottom out until, you know, well into 2012, you know, almost 2013 until they hit the bottom. Right. And so they're at much earlier stages of that recovery cycle. There's a lot more upside there. Uh, but even more important than the potential upside, we think, is where you're buying at versus what you can rent it at. So you're optimizing your cash flow margin. What's the best market for that cash flow margin right now? Oh, that's a good question. And depending on when you publish this, this could be very outdated information, right? <laughs> we're gonna be, we're, this will be publishing the week of, we'll say, uh, the 21st or the 14th. Yeah, I, and I don't mean when you publish it, but I mean I, I mean when people listen to it, they listen to it a year from now or two years from now. I, you know, I can tell you that, for example, some of the markets um, on the East Coast, uh, markets like Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, for example, that's a market where, you know, it didn't bottom out until uh, well into 2012. It's now definitely on an upward trajectory, but it's only appreciated back up maybe 7% off the bottom. It's still a good 16% below where it was at the peak. And, um, you know, you can buy houses relatively low and there is a very strong rental market there. So, uh, you know, that's one of the markets that I would say has been our most popular uh, among our investors over the past year. You mentioned seven percent off the bottom from where it was during the peak. From from uh, from, from, from the from the bottom from, from the average the, from where it was in the trough. So so if it went down, let's say it went down twenty two percent, and it's only back up seven percent from that. That means it's got another fifteen percent to go back up to the peak, right? So a market like this only went down about twenty two percent or so in total. You know, so it's not a roller coaster market, right? It's not like Las Vegas or Miami, right? Where where you're talking about a, a 50%, <laughs> you know, or more decline in value, right? You're talking about a 22% or so decline, and it's come back up about seven, and it's still got about you know a good 15, 16% to go until it gets back to those 2007 levels. 
And when you're talking about those percentages, what resource are you referring to when you're looking at that? Sure. So um, Philadelphia is actually one of the markets uh, that is not tracked by the Case-Shiller Index. So a lot of this data you can find there, right? So if you go online to S&P Case-Shiller, you can see what their 20-city composite is. You can see what they have. You can see uh, federal housing finance uh, data. They have data that goes all the way back, right? So you can really track it from there. But but you know, with Philadelphia, just as an example, uh, there is a uh, there's a PhD uh, economist by the name of Kevin Gillen who uh, is at Drexel right now, I believe, and he publishes an quarterly report on the Philadelphia housing market. Okay, and so he basically independently puts together a lot of this data and a lot of this um, research, uh, which is done for a lot of these other markets, uh, you know, on Philadelphia because it's not tracked by Kate Schiller. So, you know, those reports are available online, you know, if you Google, if you Google them. So, you know, that's one example. I mean, some of this stuff is, is stuff that you have to look for, right? I mean, you have to search for it. You have to, uh, you know, you have to find it, but you know, that's, that's, that's where we get it. Where was your house and when, when you bought it and appreciated 40%? Uh, it was in uh, the Columbia Heights, uh, area in Northwest Washington, DC. And when you're, when you're investing, when you, when you look for investments on your own or when you, or whenever you're looking for other turnkey uh, properties for your clients, besides the market and the cash flow from the, uh, you know, high rents, low purchase price, are there anything else or any other things you're looking for? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you want to be, first of all, you want to be sure that you're buying in an area that is going to give you a solid exit strategy. Um, and that's going to continue to supply demand uh, for the asset that you own during your duration of ownership, right? So if you're buying a rental property, uh, typically what you want to do, if it's a single family home, is to buy it in a primarily owner occupied area, an area that is desirable both for renters. Okay, and also for primary homeowners, because when you're going to sell that property, let's say five, seven, ten years down the road, if you ever sell it, um, you want to be able to have a retail exit strategy where you'll be able to sell that on the retail market to a, a primary end user that wants to live in the property. So that's one thing that we absolutely look for is making sure that you're going to be able to get that rental demand while you own it, and then have that exit strategy when you sell it, and that's a really important thing as well. Wow, what a what a great idea! I I love that. I uh, didn't think about it that way. Never thought about it that way. But making sure that we buy in primarily owner occupied areas so that we do have that retail exit strategy. And for any best ever listener who's not totally engrossed in in real estate, uh, the retail exit strategy is basically somebody who's an owner occupant. Um, buying it for their home and their kids versus an, another investor. Exactly. Because if you're going to sell something to another investor, right, obviously they're going to want to get a discount on it, right? They're going to want to get a great deal on it because they're an investor, right? <laughs> but if if you have something that is desirable to owner occupants that want to live in it, then you can sell it you know, on the retail market and, and ideally, uh, hopefully get the market value paid to you for your property. Yeah, because the owner-occupant's not going to care about what it rents for. They just want the, the nice white picket fence that, that you added to it that adds a tremendous value. And they're not going to be running the numbers. They're just going to be looking at the sales comps and, and going at it from that approach. Exactly. Matt, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? View real estate as a vehicle. Okay. 
Real estate is not the end game. Real estate is a vehicle to achieve other things. And so think about what those other things are. Real estate is able to facilitate, I believe it is the preeminent vehicle for facilitating lifestyle design, for facilitating the, your freedom of mobility, for generating passive streams of income that can cover your, your living expenses and create more time for you that you can use however you want, spend it with your family, travel the world, you know, do whatever it is you want to do. And so I would say to start off with, think about what you want real estate to do for you and then have those end goals in mind and work backwards and, and view real estate as a vehicle to achieve your goals and your dreams. I know that based on kind of your lifestyle, you you clearly don't have the lifestyle design thing down because I mean you're you're stationary all the time. You're you're just you you grew up in the same city and you're just always in the same city. <laughs> I mean you you are you're a traveling machine and um, you talk about you know passive streams of income and I, I I think you know clearly that makes a lot of sense with your business model in particular. Um, if you're selling turnkey rental properties. What's the passive component from that? Because in my mind, that is you know kind of like a broker uh, where you're you're you know selling properties, and that's that's similar to like a wholesaler where there's really no passive aspect unless you're managing those properties too once you sell them. Sure. So, and we, this is a great distinction because I, you know I think people get this mixed up a lot because the term of real estate investing is is used really broadly to cover all sorts of different things. So. You know, there is real estate investing, um, and then there's real estate entrepreneurship, right? Or the business side of real estate. So I am in both, right? Um, so Maverick Investor Group is a business that serves real estate investors. You know, I am an owner, I am a, uh, a founder of that, uh, and I absolutely work in that business. So, you know, what we do is we help our clients to build portfolios of of properties that generate passive residual income. Okay. Now, many of our clients are also in the business of real estate in some way, shape, or form as entrepreneurs as well as we are. Okay. So, so what I did with my business, right? Because you're right. It, you know, when you start a business, uh, that's not something that's completely passive, but there are ways to build your real estate business if you want to get in the entrepreneur side of the business. Uh, to build your business, to also build in that freedom of mobility. Okay, so one of the most inspiring books for me, and I don't know if you're going to ask me this this question to recommend a book, uh, Joe. But if you, I, I might be jumping ahead here, but I'll just say this. You know, when we started Maverick in 2007, one of the most inspiring and influential books for us was the Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. And that book, if you haven't read it, I, I think everybody should read the book because no matter what business you're in, uh, you can definitely get something out of it. And and I found some really just completely mind blowing at the time core principles that I was able to integrate and build into my business so that we could run this business and yet all of my partners could live in different states or at the moment, you know, different countries. And we could really empower our staff and the people that work with our business also to do the same thing so that people can design their lifestyle and have that freedom of mobility, even on the business side of real estate. That makes sense. The the lifestyle design for sure. I mean, you were talking, I think before the show, you know, I asked you where you're at and and you said, well, depends on when we're when we're having our conversation cuz I'm I'm going from country to country, but our company, the LLC for tax and whatever other purposes is based in Las Las Vegas. So from the design standpoint, but all your partners are remote. That's that makes sense. From a passive stream of income, what 
passive streams of income have you created? Sure. So, I mean, you know, again, there's there's the real estate investing side of it. So I've bought and sold, you know, over $4 million worth of real estate. I mean, my partners uh, as well, you know, we all are in real estate as investors. I mean, that's how it started. As I told you, we started buying and holding real estate and then, you know, having people uh, come to us and, and have a show them how to do that. Now, on the business side of things, we always look to create, you know, passive uh, income streams as well. In addition to uh, the real estate, you know, that we're that we're working on from that side, for example, um, affiliating with other types of services that can add value to our clients, right? Uh, and allowing, you know, introducing our clients to opportunities to, you know, buy uh, various different real estate services that might add value to them. Uh, those types of things then can generate passive residual income. Uh, you know, maybe somebody subscribes to a particular piece of real estate software, for example, right? Or a program or something that's going to add value to them. And that can then create passive residual income. So on the business side of it, you know, that's, uh, that's how we do that. Makes a lot of sense. I know with uh, with my stuff, anytime there's a a book that somebody recommends, well, no, not anytime, but sometimes when there's a book that rec- that somebody recommends, uh, I've got an Amazon account with a uh, an affiliate account, and if I put the link to that book through the account, which is a special uh, link, then if they purchase it by clicking on that link, then I think I get like 4% of the purchase. And you know, it doesn't sound like much, but if you, it, it really is a passive way of generating income. And I think I just, I just got a deposit of like $9.43 for the last month or something. I was like, hey, that's like the most proud $9.43 I've ever made. Right, right, exactly, yep. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Do it, man, I'm ready. First, a quick word from our best ever sponsors. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it, and now it's time to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is a leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D dot com forward slash best ever. Get clarity and insight on your money by using Wella, your digital financial advisor. See all your accounts in one place and get all the answers to your questions from a real financial advisor anytime. Visit yourwella.com to get started. That's Y-O-U-R-W-E-L-A.com. All right. Well, you told us your best ever book. So I'm going to ask you, what is your second best ever book you've read? (laughs) Oh, man. Um... I'm gonna say, I'm gonna give you a another uh, business recommendation. It's a book called Remote by Jason Fried. The subtitle, I believe, is No Office Required, and that and that deals with a lot of these types of principles that we've been applying as well. So that's the second recommendation I'll make. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. Hands down, getting fired from my job. That was absolutely the best personal growth experience I had, and. It really kicked me in the pants to start the business that I'm doing now. So as I mentioned, I was working full time. I was investing on the side. Uh, I I liked what I was doing. I said, man, I think there's a business opportunity here. But it literally took getting fired from my job and in dramatic fashion. I mean, this was like, you know, they they call you into a meeting at at two o'clock in the afternoon and you don't know why. You have no idea and they tell you to get your stuff and get out by the end of the day. And oh, by the way, give us your laptop and your phone because that's company property and leaves. So I literally, right, 
walked out of my job with a couple hours notice with no laptop and no phone. I literally had to drive to, the, I remember this so distinct, this is so vivid for me, driving to the you know Verizon store to buy a phone so that I could call my mother to tell her that I got fired from my job, right? I mean, it was crazy. And in that moment, literally while I was driving there, I said to myself, I am not going to work for anybody else ever again. I am going to start my own business. I'm going to figure out how to do that. I didn't have experience. I literally then, after I bought my phone, I went to Barnes and Noble to find a book on how to start a business, <laughs> which is where I stumbled across the four-hour work week, right? But I, you know, I literally had to go and do that. But I said to myself definitively, this is not going to happen again, right? It is, you know, working for other people and having a job and all this kind of stuff. You know, one minute it's great, the next minute you are out, and I want—I don't want that to happen again. I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to pursue that path. I believe that I can do it, and I just, you know, never look back. Best ever success habit you practice: building real, substantive relationships with people, getting to know individual human beings on a deeper level, understanding what's important to them, understanding what adds value to them and trying to deliver that value and trying to maintain a meaningful, genuine relationship, not a, a superficial, you know, quote unquote, kind of business relationship or that kind of thing. I feel that when you are able to connect with people and people, you know, they like spending time with you, you're actually adding value and you're genuinely in it for the relationship. That is where all the magic happens. Best ever deal you've done. My first deal that I've ever done is by far my best deal, and I'll tell you why. Not only does it still stand as the greatest, fastest appreciating property I've ever seen, 40% appreciation in 10 months, but the reason why it's the best deal I've ever done is because the, that's the deal where the light bulb went on for me, right? You can read as many books as you want about real estate, great, and it's this and it's that, and you can make all this money. It's not real until it happens to you. So I bought my first property, I rented out three of the rooms, to housemates and their rental income was able to cover the mortgage. It was my first experience with passive income. It was my first experience understanding that, you know, that that income from real estate could cover my living expenses. That was where the whole thing started for me. So that's that's to this day is my best deal ever. And did you do a cash out refi on that and then use that to invest in other property? I did. Yeah. And best ever listeners, by the way, that cash that you get out of the property is tax free. So you don't have to get taxed on that. Yep. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? I'm most excited about where the real estate market is at the moment. You know, it was interesting because we've been doing this for a long time. So I saw the market go way up. I saw the market go way down. Uh, and it was interesting to watch the buyer psychology during that period. As you probably know, Joe, <laughs> you know, people are most excited to buy when the market is closest to the top. And when the market is all the way down, people are most hesitant to buy, right? And so what's interesting about the market now is that we're in this aggressive recovery cycle. So buyer psychology has come back to, I wanna buy. And I think there's still in a lot of these markets room for people to absolutely get in at a really, really good time uh, before the markets get back up. So I'm just super excited about where this real estate market is. And I'm super excited to see all of the first time investors uh, that have never done this before starting to get into the game at a really good time. Best ever way you like to give back? Great question. So as I mentioned, my background is, is in 
activism. It's in nonprofit advocacy work, right? I have a master's degree in international peace and conflict resolution. So that's where my heart is at. That's where my passion is. And that's why I work 60 hours a week for $40,000 because I believed in, you know, uh, what I was doing and, and, and the importance of that. And I still do to the same extent, you know, so I would say Previously, definitely the only, I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have a lot of money. So I, I was giving back in the form of my time, right? And contributing my time to causes that were important to me. Right now, you know, now that we've started, started Maverick, what we've integrated is a company policy whereby we donate 10% of our company net revenue before managers or owners take any money out of the company. We donate 10% of uh, of the or of the company revenue, so that's that's now an institutionalized policy uh, moving forward that we have. Does the cause, the philanthropic cause, change, or is there a certain one that you all donate to? They change. Um, they they evolve. They develop, uh, and we we each have sort of different uh, passions. So my my business partner Valerie, you know, is most passionate about you know donating to girls sports teams in developing countries, which is freaking awesome, right? So we're looking right now for like Maverick's ability to sponsor girls sports teams in developing countries and things like that. So you know we, we just do really cool stuff and stuff that that we care about and that we're passionate about. And go and and find a way to try to contribute best ever quote i'm gonna go with a tony robbins quote and the quote yeah yeah and the quote is (laughs) at any moment the decision you make can change the course of your life forever and i think that that for me is a really important quote that i like to think about either when you've just had a setback or a failure uh or when you're at a plateau and it's kind of a a frustrating extended plateau Right. Because you, you, you need to be aware that wherever you are in life, wherever you are with investing, wherever you are with, with entrepreneurship and business, that you are one decision away from from just completely moving the needle and changing the entire game. So whether that's reaching out to one person and, and building one relationship that will take everything to the next level, whether it's buying that first real estate deal and pulling the trigger on that, whatever it may be, uh, you're one decision away. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Speculating. No question about Ooh, it. No question yeah. about it. No question about it. I, t- I mean, you know, I, I, I told you my how much my first property appreciated, right? Well, you know, that gave me the idea, oh, well, then real estate will just always just keep appreciating like this, right? So as long as you buy it, you know, your, your upside will be in the appreciation. And so when I was starting uh, and I didn't know very much about it, that's, you know, what I went for. Whoa, well, what are the fastest appreciating markets? Well, why don't I just buy there, you know? And oh, well, the, you know, the market rent doesn't cover all the expenses. Well, that'll be, <laughs> that'll be superseded by the appreciation that I'll get in 10 months from now. So don't worry about that, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it, it, you know, speculating on stuff, uh, is, is, is just straight gambling. So, so what we learned from that, right. From the last market, um, uh, upswing and downswing is that, uh, is exactly what we, what we built our company on, right. It, which is what we call the Maverick approach to real estate investing, which is an approach based on real estate fundamentals, right? And it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, which is buying real estate in sustainable markets, buying real estate at prices that regular people that make the median income can afford and buying them where there is high rental demand that is going to give you a positive cash flow from the day that you close so that whether the market goes up or it goes down or it goes sideways, you made your money when you buy because you bought a cash flowing asset in a strong market. What's the best ever place to reach you, Matt? 
Well, you can reach us through our website at maverickinvestorgroup.com. You can find us on social media. All of our social media links are right at the top of maverickinvestorgroup.com. That's probably the easiest way. But if you're on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Pinterest, you know we are there. It's Our handle is at investmaverick, so you can find us there. Or you can just email me directly. My email, my direct email is just matt, that's M-A-T-T, at maverickinvestorgroup.com. Matt, thanks a lot. I've got a lot of takeaways from our conversation. One of them is, you know, I, I mentioned it before, but when you were talking about buy in a primarily owner-occupied area, then you have a really dynamic strategy as an exit strategy if and when you decide to uh, sell, and that's selling to retail buyers, um, so people who are moving in their families because they're going to pay top dollar and they're not going to pay attention to the rents uh, because they uh, they live in there. They're not going to rent it. They've, they've got a mortgage on that puppy. And uh, also when you're talking about the different resources that you use to identify the different market cycles, uh, you talked about the Case Shiller that has historical home price trends. You also mentioned Federal Housing Finance Agency. And then when you're talking about Philly, you mentioned uh, Kevin, Kevin Gil, Gil, what's his last name? Yeah, it's uh, I believe it's Gillen. It's spelled G-U-I-L-L-E-N. He's an independent economist that does uh, uh, quarterly reporting on Philadelphia. I can shoot you the link if you want to put it in the show notes. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll include it in show notes. And, you know, so that takeaway, it's, it's less for me. It's less about Kevin. It's more about the application that Kevin represents uh, for all the other markets where there's an expert in the market that is taught, assuming it's a large enough market, they're talking about the trend. So it's identifying who that expert is and then becoming a student of their work, uh, assuming that it's good work, and reaching out to him uh, or her and, and asking them about the market because ultimately we invest in real estate and it's about the, the local economy. And it's, it's even more local than the city. It's the neighborhood. It's the block. It's the, you know, the neighbors that you have to the left and to the right of you, which really makes the property, you know, perform or not perform. So uh, really interesting stuff. And then also how you got started. Congratulations on the 325K house, renting it out to your, your three friends and living in one bedroom as well. And then in, in 10 months, just striking gold with the 40% appreciation. Uh, what a what a lovely, lovely outcome for a first property right out of the gate. Mine, on the flip side, I bought a, a house, $76,000, and the first tenant I had had to be evicted. Um, and that was after we, it was uh, vacant for a couple months. Um, so I, I, I found eventually a tenant and they've only, they, I've only had one tenant in there for the, since 2009. So it's, it's gone really well for that one house. Um, I also fired the property management company. So, uh, which, which, which solved the problem. Really, really good stuff. Thank you so much. And also lastly, don't speculate. You'd mentioned, you know, that's where you, you get bit and, uh, that's where a lot of investors get bit too. when we speculate on, on prices and, um, I, I said lastly, but I have to obviously give the shout out to the Tony Robbins quote. I'm a, a student and I have a Tony Robbins coach. I mean, I, uh, of Tony Robbins and I've never heard that quote, but I love it. At any moment, the decision you make can change the course of your life forever. Uh, we're going to end on that note. Thank you so much for sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners. And is there anything that you wanted to mention closing this out? 
you know, I, I think just, again, I'll repeat kind of the, my best ever advice to the best ever listeners, which is just focus on the end game. Focus on the, the lifestyle design that you want. Focus on the contribution that you want to make to the world and how you want to give back. Focus on, you know, the, the time and the mobility and whatever it is that you want to achieve in your life and then work backwards, view real estate as a vehicle. We support all of our clients in doing that. We do consultations, uh, individual consultations with all of our clients to help them understand their needs. And we'd be happy to, uh, you know, support any of the best ever listeners that are interested in uh, chatting with us, just maverickinvestorgroup.com. And uh, we look forward to speaking with anybody that's interested. Thanks a lot, Matt. Thanks, Joe. Hey, you best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com, where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes, so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever. 